taking a taking a break from our name of God series um, <clears throat> today, and we're going to go back to talking about vision. Now, I know that we've already laid out the vision for you for this year, but we want but we want to keep emphasising it. And so I'm coming back again to talk to you again about our vision for this year because it's important to have vision. If you don't know where you're going, you won't know when you get there. That was always one of Dave King's favourite things with um, Alice in Wonderland and the, the Cheshire Cat. If you don't know where you go, it doesn't matter much which way you go if you don't know where you're heading. Um, and you won't keep going. You know, <coughs> if any of you watched the rugby game last night, I, I, yesterday, I know there was a very unimportant one where a, a capitulation where the Irish just laid down and let the Welsh run over them just to make sure the English didn't win. Which, you know, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, ha- the the other game, England versus Scotland, was really exciting because at half time, England had totally destroyed the Scottish. There was no way of them getting back into it at all. It was a complete whitewash. And then the second half, suddenly the Scottish came back and smashed the English. And when time, when the 80 minutes ran out. Scotland was seven points ahead. That should never have been able to happen. But the English kept going in the extra time and scored the final try and the conversion was the last kick of the game and they tied the match. That only happened because they had vision. You know, at half time, the Scots n- would have normally gone in and just thought, you know, you you couldn't have blamed them for thinking, we've got nothing left to play for. We're being completely played off the park here. We've got no chance. But their captain or their manager or whoever, somebody, somebody gave them vision. Somebody said, I believe in you. You can still do this. And they believed it. And they went out and they very nearly did it. But something in the English guys as well said at the last minute, we're not going to lose this. We've got the vision. We're going to keep going. So vision is really important. Vision is what keeps you going. And so I want to lay out again, remind you of what our vision is as a church for this year. And our vision of the church this year comes from Isaiah 54. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to that, if you haven't got a Bible, you want to get one from the, uh, the table over there. Have you got any today? I think we might have. Yeah, 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 at the back, right, good, okay, I was looking at the wrong table, that's why, if there's one at the back, if you want to, go and get it, that's absolutely fine. So Isaiah 54, you know, Isaiah is a book that is based on vision. The book of Isaiah starts with Isaiah getting this phenomenal vision as he looks into heaven and he sees God. And that envision, that vision is what inspires him to go on and be a prophet for a long time. He, he's, we don't know exactly how long Isaiah was a prophet for, but he spoke into the reigns of three or four different kings. So he was, he was a prophet for a long time, a lot longer than most of the prophets. And he wrote one of the longest books in the Bible. And that was all because he had a vision. He saw God. And that vision, the first thing the vision did was made him realize just how small and insignificant 
and unworthy he was. But when God then elevated him, his immediate response after that was, I'll go anywhere and do anything because I've seen God. And we want to create a vision. In We need to be able to see God having a vision that will inspire us to go forward. So Isaiah 54, it says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the women of the desolate woman, more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Yeah. Isaiah, not only did his, his prophetic ministry last for a long time, but actually <coughs> he was able to speak into three different time periods. Isaiah spoke prophetically initially into the time in which he lived. And he, I say, he spoke for many years into many different occasions. And a lot of his prophecies were, were into events that were actually happening at that time. But Isaiah also talks about events that didn't happen for another 150 years after the time he was prophesying. And he spoke into that time period because God revealed it to him. So he was able to say to people... Yeah, put down in his book of prophecy, these things are going to happen. So 150 odd years later, when those things were happening, the Jews could look back and say, yeah, yeah Isaiah said this was going to happen. When they were in exile, they could say, it's okay. Isaiah's told us that things are going to get better. We're going to get back. But actually, Isaiah also spoke way into the future. I mean, he had visions that go right up to the end of time, part of his prophetic word. And he saw the coming of Jesus. He's the, one of the prophets that predicted the com- most clearly the coming of Jesus and who Jesus would be. It was hundreds of years later. But Isaiah speaks, when he begins this prophecy and he says, sing, O barren woman, he's talking to the Israelites initially. Because Israel was a barren nation. God had called Abraham and his descendants to be the people through whom the whole of the world would be blessed. And that was his promise. That was his covenant with Abraham. Through you and your descendants, the whole world will be blessed. But the history of Israel was that they were not being that blessing to to the world. That they had the covenant relationship with God. And that covenant relationship was meant to be an example that spoke to the world. They were meant to be an example that said to the world, look, we have the one true God. We have a relationship with him. And you, you can come and know him too. You know, the prophetic words speak about Jerusalem being the, the, ta- the city that all the nations of the world will come to. Because 
the Israelites were to be the people who, who showed what it meant to follow the one true God and how wonderful it was and how blessed you could be if you followed the one true God so that all nations would turn to God. But the truth was they were not fulfilling that. They kept the promise to themselves. They were happy with the tiny bit of land that they had. And God, throughout history, has kept taking them out of that land, taking them into the world so so they can be a blessing to the world, so they can spread the knowledge of God, and then bringing them back so they can try and bring others back. But they weren't doing that. So they were a barren. That's why Isaiah addresses them as barren woman. But But God makes promises to them about having more children than the woman with a husband, that, that this barrenness will come to an end. And we know, we know that through Jesus, who was a Jew, and through his followers, who were all Jews, the word of the one true God has spread across the world. And now the truth of who God is is known on every continent across the world. Millions upon millions of people have come to belief and come into relationship with God and received that covenant relationship with God through Jesus. And the world is now blessed. But we believe that when Tim was praying, when we as elders were praying, God gave us specifically this bit of the scripture verse 2 as our vision for this year because prophetically God's word can still speak now into our time even when it was speaking into a previous time so God's promise is his command to us is to enlarge the place of your tents stretch your curtains wide do not hold back lengthen your cord and strengthen your stakes that is a that is a command of expectation. What God is saying to us is we need to get ready to get bigger. That's why you enlarge your tent, you know. <coughs> if you've got a house and you build an extension on it, it's because you expect you want more space. And And probably you want more space because you want to have more people coming into it. Whether it's that you're building a bigger dining room so you can invite more guests around. Or an extra bedroom because you're going to have children. Or your mother-in-law move in or something. You can, you know, you make more space so you can accommodate more people. And that is God's vision for us. He wants us to prepare to get ready to get bigger, to have more space, because if you can't, if you haven't got more space, you can't fit more people in. And, you know, yeah, I'm looking here this morning, we've got plenty of empty chairs here. So in that way, we've got plenty of space to invite people in. You know, and I, I long to see all of these chairs filled and having to get more out at the back to let people in. That's what I would love to see. You know, it's a great, I've had the great privilege with some of you of knowing you before you knew Jesus and having seen you come to know him and seeing you grow in him. Others of you I've, I've met, you've joined the church and I've got to know you when you first come in and, and that's, 
you're already believers, but it's been getting to know you and, and getting a relationship with you. And some of you were here for tens of years before I ever joined. But, you know, we are a great family here as a church, but we want to be a growing family, a family that, that gets more and more new believers in. We want to see more people come to Christ because we know that that is the most wonderful thing for them. And so I believe that our vision that God has given us for this year is about preparing for more people to come in, getting ourselves ready, getting our church ready. Not just about putting out more chairs, but about having that expectation about God preparing us and us preparing ourselves for a greater harvest. So the first part of our vision is to strengthen. It says it the Isaiah flick back. It says, strengthen your stakes. You know, <coughs> when we go to West Point, we put up, we all put up our own tents, and you put in your tent pegs, but also we put up a big marquee. And that marquee is bigger than any of the tents that any of us are sleeping in which is great because lots of us can come together, but there's a, there's a disadvantage to that marquee. That is, the marquee is bigger, and that means on a windy day, it gets hit harder. It wobbles more. It's more unstable. And so what we have to do with the marquee is we don't just put in the little tent pegs. With the marquee, we have got some really big, strong blue straps that go over it. But those straps themselves, although they're strong, would be no good if all we put in was little metal tent pegs. What we have to put in is big crowbars hit in with a big heavy hammer. Because that's how we keep the tent from being blown over in the wind. Because the big tent gets hit by more wind because it's bigger. And if we are going to be a bigger tent, we are going to attract more attention from the enemy. We are going to attract more attention from the world. And potentially that means we are going to attract more opposition. It is going to get harder for us. Therefore, if stronger winds buffet us, we have got to have stronger stakes. And so our vision is to strengthen. We want to strengthen our stakes. And that is you. And that is us here. We want this to be a year when everybody is getting stronger in their relationship with God. We want, with an eldership, we want to be doing things that are strengthening you, and we want you to be strengthening yourselves. We want to make everything we do better and input and value each person we have in the church, and each person who's going to come into the church. Because actually, if we are going to grow as a church, then we need to grow ourselves individually first because we're going to need more life group leaders. We're going to need more people discipling other people. We're going to need more people helping out and going on rotors because there's going to be more people to service. And to do that, we have to be stronger. We have to be more committed and we have to go deeper into God. So we need to strengthen you. So part of our vision is we want to be, we're going to be doing things this year 
to try and input more into everybody here. And we want to be encouraging you to be trying to search deeper into God, to, to work harder on your relationship with him, to take it more seriously so that you will grow and be stronger in God with what you are doing, ready for when for what God is going to do next. <coughs> we also want to stretch out. As Tim's mentioned this morning, we've stretching out is about primarily in our vision that is about what we're doing over at Turlin Moor. It's not we're not just doing stuff at Turlin Moor. We want to see the whole of Hamworthy touched. We want to see the whole of Poole touched and beyond that. But just at the moment, the first seed we're planting in that area is going into Turlin Moor. We have had numerous prophetic words about going over and fishing on the other side. We had the word at West Point about gathering a tribe from across a bridge. You know, God, <coughs> we didn't know this opportunity at Turlin Moor was going to come up, but God knew he was there ahead of us. And he was sending someone who has never met, knew nothing about our church. At West Point, someone came up to Dave Gawler and just tapped him on the shoulder and said, God's given me this word for, for you as a church, which is that you are going to gather a tribe from across a bridge. They knew nothing about where Dave came from. They knew nothing about the fact we live in a town that's divided by these two bridges. They didn't know that at all, but God knew it. And he told someone to tell Dave so that we would have that prophetic word. Earlier this year, Andrew Lawrence came and he talked, he talked about building bridges, that we are to be a bridge-building church. And I believe there's something powerfully prophetic in that, that we are to be building bridges between people, building bridges between communities. You know, it can be very, it can be very easy for communities to become divided. And from what I know of Turlin Moore, it's a divided community. It's, it's a community that, that has a strong sense of its own community. And that's, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have a sense, you know, a sense of community and some fellowship with the people around you, you know. We are, we all have our own groups that we feel community and fellowship with, and some of us stronger than others. And, you know, I mean, I, <coughs> I grew up in a village where, in a, back in the, the olden days, you know, growing up in a village where, where I reckon... I would have known virtually every adult I saw as I went around, and they would all have known me, and they'd have known who my parents were, who my grandparents were, my great-grandparents were, and if I got up to anything, they would know who to tell. But also, if I got into trouble, they would, they would know who, where to take me back to, and they would take responsibility for looking after me if I needed it. And, you know, I think it's great coming here as a church that, you know, with the children, that we have lots of little children, but and sometimes they do run off. But I, I believe that none of you would would see a child in danger and not step in and rescue them. You know, here, and 
so Turlymore has that strong sense of community, but one of the difficulties with that is it does create a them and us. And that's something that we as a church, we want to be breaking down that them and us feeling. We want to be helping those of us who feel we're not part of the people of Turlingmore to feel that they are part of us. And we want to try and help them to feel that we are part of them and that they are part of us. So we want to be breaking down those bridges. And those bridges can be... And it's a kind of cultural bridge. that They, they feel they have a culture... And we f- maybe we feel we have a culture and that they're different from us. But we want to be going over there and helping them to build those bridges between the cultures. You know, in Colossians 3, Paul talks to the Colossians and he says, We have put on our new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge, in the image of him who created the new self. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, nor between different types of people, whether they are barbaric, uneducated or uncivilized. You know, I'll be honest, the first time I ever went on to Turlingmore, I was quite expecting to find a are people who were barbaric, uneducated, and uncivilized. But, you know, they're not. They're just people. We're all just people. No division in status, whether slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. So believers are equal in Christ without distinction. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. But in Christ, we are all the same. And it doesn't matter which part of town we live in. It doesn't matter whether we were born in Poole or Glasgow or Timbuktu. It doesn't matter whether we've never done a work day's work in our life or whether we are a multi-millionaire entrepreneur from Sandbanks. You know, We are all one in Christ, and we are to create a church where everybody is one. And I think there is something prophetic about our choosing to step out into one of the more deprived communities in our area and say to people who maybe feel that people treat them as if they're second-class citizens, that actually we're one. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, where you come from, what your background is, how many parents you grew up with, whether you, whatever you do, whoever you are, however you speak, we're all one and Christ wants us all, every single one of us, whoever we are, we're all one to him, we're all sinners alike, we've all failed but Christ will raise each one of us up together equally so that we can be part of that great vision that we get at the end of Revelation of one people from every tribe and tongue and language and family all meeting together and praising God. And we want to be part of that because in Christ there is no distinction between people. 
And it says in this passage that there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised. You know, to the, to the readers at that time, that was the great substantive division. You were either Jewish or you were non-Jewish. The world split, I was going to say in half, but obviously it's not anything like half, you know. But the world split into two. It was black and white. It was binary. But, but Paul is saying, you know, not in the church. In the church, none of that matters. We are all the same. It's not about your background. It's not about who you are. Everybody is equal in the church. It doesn't matter if they're slave or free. Again, that would be a, a massive binary division in their society. You're either a free person with all the status and the rights and things like that, or you're a slave and you have none of the status and none of the rights. You couldn't be somewhere in between. Paul says, doesn't matter. We're all the same. So we want to stretch out across Hamworthy into Turling Moor. And you know, we hope that God will keep stretching us beyond that as well. That this is just you know, our end goal is not to reach out and touch people in Turlin Moor and then, and then we're just going to walk away and forget about it. And that's it. You know, we believe this is a progressive vision. That God, if we, if we follow God faithfully and serve his purposes in Turlin Moor, that he'll give us somewhere else to go after that and somewhere else. That we will keep conquering ground for Christ because we want to see lives saved for Christ whoever they are whatever they are all in all for Christ and it will be a stretch and stretching can be uncomfortable you know sometimes if I <coughs> which I rarely do but if I try and exercise and afterwards you know I've stretched muscles that aren't used to being stretched, and you feel a bit stiff and a bit achy. And you know, but you know what? That means you've done some good. Actually, if you've exercised and you're not aching afterwards, you probably haven't worked hard enough. My sister would certainly tell you that. She tells me that on a regular basis. Um, so, for some people, that will, it will be a stretching process doing this. But we want. We want to stretch out. We want to, like, a few weeks ago, we, in Kids for Life, we talked about the, the story of Ruth and Boaz. And, and um, for those of you who don't know, Ruth was, um, she was an immigrant into Israel. She came with no money, no rights, nothing. She was effectively a bit like a, a refugee, but she came with her mother-in-law, but Women at that time didn't have anything. And eventually, <coughs> she's, she's looked after by Boaz, who is a, a wealthy man with a lot of fields. And in the end, she goes to, to him one, one night after he's been working and they're sleeping in the fields. And she goes and she pulls the blanket off his feet and then she lays down by his feet. And then when he wakes up and he extends his cloak over her. And by doing that, he says, I'm taking... Actually, it's almost a, it's effectively like a proposal, you know. She's saying, will you take me into your house and your family? And he is saying, yes, I'm going to take you. I'm going to have you as part of my 
I'm going to marry you and you're going to be part of my family. But he does it by stretching his cloak out over her. And that's kind of what we're, what we're trying to do. We're trying to embrace Turley Moore, embrace Hamworthy, embrace people that previously we've had very little contact with, but now we want to. And for some people, that will feel a bit like a stretch. It, you know, for some people, it's quite hard to physically get over to Turley Moor. If you're on the other side of town, you've got to try and get buses and things. It can be quite tricky. Um, <coughs> much harder than reaching the people who are next door to you. For other people, you just have to get up and look out your front door. But God wants all of us to be stretched this year in some way, to stretch out and to reach out to people, even if that's uncomfortable. But we can start off by doing simple little stretches. That's what, when you're exercising, you can do simple little things. And so, you know. Vicky's talked this morning about some of the opportunities that are to do things like painting stones and making teas and coffees over at the hub for the events and things that are going on. That's not a massive stretch for most of us. Most of us could boil a kettle and make a cup of tea or coffee. Most of us could paint a rock. I mean, admittedly, if I did it, it would look pretty horrendous and you wouldn't know what it was meant to be a picture of if I was doing a picture on it because I'm not very good. But, but I could still paint a rock, really. It might not be a great work of art, but I could do it. <coughs> so let's start, if we find it hard, to do the little things that we can do and then see how God stretches us in that. The third part of our vision is to lengthen our cords and... For that, we're primarily focusing on trying to build relationships in Sri Lanka. Because we want to have a bigger vision. It can be very easy to get a very small parochial vision of what we're doing. You know, for some of us, even having a vision that encompasses Hamworthy, the other side of the bridge, that, that's really a bit of a bigger vision than we really normally would have. But as a church, we want to have a much bigger vision because God's vision is global. In fact, God's vision is, is cosmic. It, it, it's vastly beyond anything we can ever understand. But we want to lengthen our cords by looking further afield so we get a bigger picture of what's going on. <coughs> and we're not going, it isn't to use that phrase that was in the news fairly recently, we're not going as white saviours. You know, this isn't about us going to rescue the poor people over in Sri Lanka. We want to build relationships with people who are probably very different from us. In some ways, they're not. In some ways, they're just people, just like we're just people. But people who are going through different things, people who have different life experiences, people who have a different perspective of what the gospel means, probably. And we don't get that because the trouble is that we, we think often that God is an Englishman. And that, all, you know, that, that what, ha what is happening, what is happening in our town, you know, that if, if Bournemouth win the FA Cup, that maybe this is a sign of the end of the age or something, you know. <coughs> because that's the kind of level we focus on. We think, uh, yes, God is 
interacting in each one of our own lives. And he is doing a million different things ac- across the world. And, and what he's doing with us is, is as relevant as he's what he's doing with other people. But we can be very focused on what God is doing in our town, what God is doing in our country, and assuming that that means that that is all there is that God is doing. <coughs> so by choosing another country, which is a, a long way away and has a lot of, a lot of differences in, in, in climates, in animals, in languages, in the way things are, we're trying to get a different perspective on what's going on and a bigger perspective on what God is doing. And we are hoping, and you know, as I say, we're not looking for this to be a one way street. We want this to be a two way street. We hope that we will have things that we can share with some of the churches over in Sri Lanka that will be a blessing to them, that will help them. That maybe we can, if some of us go over there, we can do things and bring things to them that will be a blessing to them as a church. But we sincerely hope as well that they will bring us insights or resources that will, or perspective that will be a blessing to us to help us to see beyond what we see at the moment and get a bigger picture of who God is and what he is doing. So, in conclusion, we are looking to strengthen, lengthen, and stretch out. But the, f- the purpose of that is that we believe that God has got something to do, that God is doing something with this church, and that what we're doing is preparing for what God is going to do next. And we don't know what that is, but we want to be prepared for it. And we believe God has told us that this is what we've got to do. And this is how we're going to do it. <coughs> so we're going to be strengthening ourselves and each other. And I, you know, I really want to emphasize, we all have a part to play in this. We all have got further we could go with God. Maybe this year, God wants to deepen your Knowledge of the Bible by getting you to read more in your Bible. Spend more time in his word and and soak it up. Maybe what God wants to do this year is to improve the quality of teaching we give as a church, either from the front or at various events, to try and improve your knowledge and understanding of who God is. But maybe, maybe God wants to strengthen your faith this year. By putting you in a situation or getting you to choose to put yourself in a situation that you find really uncomfortable and where you have to rely upon God and stretch you and build you up and strengthen you like that so that you have greater faith. Maybe God this year wants to use you to do miracles and to see miracles that you, like a bit like when Isaiah saw God, his He fell on his knees before him and felt totally unworthy. But then when he was raised up, he was ready to go anywhere and do anything. And maybe maybe that's what God wants to be doing in you this year. You know, Jesus taught consistently about God's kingdom. And he had, we know on occasions, thousands of people came. 
But actually, a lot of the people who came to Jesus didn't come because they wanted to listen to the teaching. A lot of them came because they wanted to receive the miracles. And I believe that God still does miracles. And I, maybe this year, you will see miracles done. Maybe this year, God will do miracles through you that will strengthen your faith. And we want to stretch out and we'll say primarily we're going to be focusing on stretching out to Tulu more. Maybe this year God wants to stretch you a bit. Maybe this year he wants you to, maybe you find it really difficult to have a heart for going over to Tulu more. And God wants to stretch your heart so that you're more able to take people in. Maybe you're not even going to go over to Tulu more, but maybe if people from Tulu more come into some of our meetings, you will be the people who will be most welcoming to them and who will be they will form relationship with. Maybe there'll be other areas where God wants you to step out and to stretch and to encourage you to reach out and to bless other people this year. And we want to lengthen our cords by looking further beyond our country and looking to Sri Lanka. And maybe for you, maybe, you know, maybe Sri Lanka doesn't doesn't sort of, you don't have Sri Lanka on your heart. Maybe you've got another nation on your heart that God wants you to be praying for and getting involved in and seeing what God is doing. Maybe, and, but we want to be building relationships in Sri Lanka. Maybe God wants you to be building relationships this year. So I just want to encourage you to have vision, to let God give you vision. And to be ready to go stronger and deeper, to be stretched and to lengthen your perspective this year as God prepares you for what he has got next.